0: Hello everyone and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator Jessica Bard with Consultant 360, Specialty Network. Migraine attacks are common among women during monthly menstruation with more than 50% of women reporting this symptom. Dr. Yelena Pavlovich is here to speak with us about that today. Dr. Pavlovich is an associate professor of neurology at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and an attending neurologist at Montefiore Headache Center in the Bronx, New York. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Pavlovich. You're presenting your research, Ubragipant was safe and well-tolerated in the acute treatment of perimenstrual migraine at AAN 2021. Can you please give us an overview of your research and its findings?
1: Well, sure. Thank you for inviting me and for your interest in this topic. The goal of the study of my colleagues and myself was to determine the efficacy and safety of Ubrojipind, which is a new oral calcitonin gene-related peptide receptor antagonist, which has been approved for the treatment of acute migraine attacks with and without aura in you use for treatment of perimenstrual migraine attacks. And we know that perimenstrual migraine attacks are the particularly burdensome attacks in women with migraine. And the safety and efficacy of obrogipent in the treatment of particularly specific perimenstrual attacks had not been previously studied, or uh, for that matter, of any other jepens. And so we conducted a post hoc analysis uh, in which we included menstruating women who were treated, who treated at least one migraine attack with obrogipent. And the study consisted of Participants of the prior leading trials of Achieve One and Two. And this was a phase three multi center, 52 week open labor, long term safety extension, where the participants of Achieve One and Two were re randomized one to one to one to usual care, obrogipin 50 milligrams or obrogipin 100 milligrams, the two formulations that are available. On the market and the participants could treat up to eight migraine attacks uh, of any pain severity with a broader every four weeks at home and we had headache diaries were kept and a perimenstrual migraine attacks were defined as attacks that according to the international classification of headache disorders as attacks that occurred between two days prior to the onset to bleeding and three days after the start of the menstrual bleeding, which was defined as uh, endometrial shedding and uh, non-perimenstrual migraine attacks were defined as attacks outside of the minus two to plus three, five day window. Outcomes of interest were pain freedom and pain relief at two hours, absence of the most bothersome symptom, photophobia, phonophobia, nausea, two hours, and return to normal function at two hours we overall there were 278 women who were identified to have at least one perimenstrual migraine attack that they treated with the a so an attack occurring within those 5 days of interest in relation to the menstrual bleeding and among those women there were overall within the 52 weeks of observation 1,329 perimenstrual migraine attacks that were collected and 16,145 non-perimenstrual attacks were treated. So clearly uh, a a very high number of attacks that we had to deal with. Uh, There were 137 women in the abrogepin 50 milligram treatment group and 141 women. So comparable number in the abrogepin 100 milligram treatment group. And their baseline characteristics characteristics and migraine history of the two subgroups were quite comparable. Overall, in terms of results, we saw similar effects of pain freedom and pain relief at two hours were achieved in a similar percentage of perimenstrual migraine attacks and non-perimenstrual migraine attacks for both of these obrogepin treatment groups. Similar as well for absence of photophobia and phonophobia and nausea were achieved in a similar percentage of whether the attacks were perimenstrual or non-perimenstrual for both treatment groups. And there was no difference between the two percentages in the two subgroups and two dosages of treatment at return to function in two hours. And overall uh, adverse events profile for the two subgroups was similar to that observed in the overall population and no significant. signal was identified. So overall, we saw across all outcome measures that ubrogepant was equally efficacious for the treatment of both perimenstrual and non-perimenstrual attacks. And that is truly important finding because we know that these perimenstrual attacks are challenging to treat. And the fact that it was equally efficacious is very promising. And it also supports a notion of having. Treatment regimen uh, for women with migraine who experience both types of attacks.
0: Well, you mentioned briefly there why it's so important to study this, but why really was it important to study abroad Japan in this population and for this indication?
1: First of all. Migraine is a disorder of women of reproductive age. Migraine prevalence peaks in women aged 30 to 39. So this is the time when women are at supposed to be at their maximum productivity and life really demands most of them uh, when they're going through uh, Pregnancies and lactation, and having raising children, having multiple jobs. So losing time due to migraine attacks is a, a significant loss of productivity and significant loss of work and social functioning. And this is why, and these perimenstrual attacks that occur in relation to menstruation, and as I mentioned earlier, are defined by international classification of headache disorders as the five-day interval that it starts two days prior to the onset of menstruation and the first three days of menstruation, these are the attacks that are the most burdensome for women who have migraine. So this is the really where migraine is at its worst. Experiencing migraine attacks is challenging enough. And then experiencing the perimenstrual attacks is an extra challenge, simply put. These attacks tend to be, and this has been shown in a number of studies throughout the last two decades, these perimenstrual attacks in women who experience them tend to be more severe than non-perimenstrual attacks. They tend to be associated with more symptoms of migraines such as photophonophobia. They tend to be um, more burdensome. They tend to last longer. They tend to be refractory to treatments. So typically the usual treatment that women take will not work as well. And they can often lead to status migranosis that is prolonged days of headache. Therefore, a particular need for more effective treatment of these attacks, which tend to be where migraine really is at its worst. Um, And what is of note is why we wanted to look at ubrogepant in this study, is because ubrogepant is, as you know, a relatively new treatment in migraine, a promising new mechanism targeting the CGRP uh, pathway, and also that what is relevant is that there are currently no FDA-approved treatments specifically for menstrually-related migraine or for the perimenstrual attacks. So this is an area where there is further need for understanding treatment and for improved
0: treatment specifically in this area of women's health. Overall, you and your colleagues found that nearly significantly more participants taking broad 50 milligrams, had achieved pain freedom at two hours compared with participants undergoing usual care. How will this result impact clinical practice and how perimenstrual migraine is managed?
1: So, Yes. So our results were quite encouraging, uh, given what I had just mentioned, how burdensome perimenstrual attacks tend to be and how they're typically refractory to treatment and often require additional treatment and doubling up of the acute treatment of traditional acute treatments. So for example, women who treat with naproxen, their uh, typical migraine or attacks or with triptans may during the perimenstrual uh, interval need to double up and to use both tryptans and NSAIDs in combination. Um, so the fact that we were able to observe the, the very comparable uh, similar percentages for both period of response at two hours of pain freedom and pain relief for both perimenstrual and non-perimenstrual ubrogepin-treated attacks is very encouraging. And as you point, we've seen almost a significant approaching significance effect for ubrogepin 50 milligrams for the perimenstrual attacks. And there was also a trend with, though not reaching significance, the trend in general was ubrogepin, the the perimenstrual attacks were by percentages purely more responsive to ubrogepin in higher percent of them responded to ubrogepin. 50 and 100 compared to the non-perimenstrual attacks. And that is quite encouraging and also provoking. uh, And as we know, CGRP and estrogen, which is known to be the triggering factor in perimenstrual attacks have a complex interaction. And so exploring the CGRP pathways and mechanisms in this context of perimenstrual attacks is of great interest. And this is really just scratching the surface of what hopefully,
0: uh, we will be able to study further. You mentioned scratching the surface. So what's the next step in your research on this topic?
1: So one of the obvious takeaway points from this is that having one treatment that is effective for both perimenstrual and non-perimenstrual attacks is very advantageous and very appealing. Prescribing a single drug that works for all attacks, obviously for both the patient and the provider. Um, What we would like to see further is exploring this window. So we went with the very strict criteria for the definition of the perimenstrual migraine attacks, that is the five-day interval, we know from other population studies and also from clinical practice that women experience perimenstrual attacks in with longer time intervals. Some women reliably start getting attacks even five days prior to their bleeding, sometimes seven days prior to their bleeding, and it can last longer. So exploring really a broader window and seeing how those attacks compared to non-perimenstrual attacks, we may see even more of an effect because here those attacks were captured as non-perimenstrual given the very strict ICHD criteria. the definition of perimenstrual migraine attacks, and this may further inform the mechanisms that play the role in perimenstrual migraine.
0: Is there anything else that
1: you'd like to add today? I'd like to emphasize the need for effective treatment and effective and tolerable treatment of perimenstrual attacks, which are the most burdensome, very frequently occurring attacks that really hold the most of the challenges for women with migraine of reproductive age, which is when migraine is more common. That There are no, currently no FDA-approved treatments for specifically for perimenstrual attacks, and the, the knowledge of the presentation of these attacks and their treatment is highly relevant for quality of life of women with
0: migraine. Thank you so much for your time today. I really enjoyed speaking with you.
1: Thank you. Thank you for your interest and your attention.